welcome to the Deep Pockets and Stilettos podcast. I'm your host, Lorianne, and my goal is to help women feel empowered and in control of their financial lives. On this podcast, we discuss concrete advice on how to move forward in your financial journey, whether you are already advanced or starting from scratch. And we also dive into mindset shifts around money that are critical for financial success. So if you want to take charge of your finances and feel inspired and empowered, go ahead and give it a listen. Hello, everyone. I am very excited about this second episode of Deep Pockets and Stilettos. This episode is going to be the first one of a series called Getting Started with Investing. It's going to be a three-episode series, and this first one is going to be about how to invest basically technically what you need to invest and so we're going to get into the different types of accounts that exist out there that allow you to invest. The second episode of this series is going to be about where to invest so the different investment products that are available to you and exist out there and the third one is going to be a more psychological one about what to do next when you have invested and behaviors to adopt for successful investing long-term. Let's get into the first part of the series, which is how to invest. And so the first part is very simple. What you need to get started with investing is an account. The great news is that there isn't a thousand types of different accounts out there, so it's pretty easy to get the gist of it. We can basically spread them into two categories, tax-advantageous accounts and regular accounts. In the first category, uh, there are employer-sponsored plans such as 401ks or plans sponsored by nonprofits or government organizations. And then there are also individual accounts that you can get on your own without needing an employer or an organization. And those are called individual retirement accounts, IRAs. And then on the second category, non tax advantageous accounts, we have regular taxable brokerage accounts. And now I'm going to go into quick details for each type of accounts, but this is just meant to be an introduction for you so we can debunk investing. I can't go into every detail for each account, otherwise this episode would be four hours long and no one would remember. Podcasts are great to introduce you to finance, but nothing is better than seeing it written on paper below your eyes for finance, let me tell you. And so I will link resources that are helpful when choosing what accounts to open. And basically your goal is would be to choose your account or your type of accounts, because you can have several that's even encouraged, and then to be a master of it. You need to know everything about it. But my goal with this episode is to show you that it's not that complicated. Anyone can do it. So now let's get into uh, quick details for each type of account. Let's start with uh, 401ks because I think they're the most common and most people can um, relate to having a 401k. So 401ks are employer-sponsored plans. And the great thing about 401ks is that there is an employer match, which means that this is basically free money 
and that the employer will match, um, you know, depending on the percentage, uh, the contributions you make. They won't match them 100%, most likely, and there will be a limit, but it is still free money. So the first advice here with 401ks is always to get your employer's match. Now, of course, this match can be um, under a vesting schedule, which means you'll have to stay at the company for a number of years before getting your match. But I think it is very interesting to align your career goals or where you want to go with that match, because as I mentioned, it's still free money. 403Bs are basically the same for public organizations. So generally participants can be school teachers, professors, nurses, doctors, and they offer the same type of plan than 401ks. Two most important things you need to know about employer-sponsored plans are one, to make sure the money is invested within the account. This is actually a pretty common mistake where People contribute to the 401k or the 43b on a monthly basis, but then actually do not go into the, the account uh, itself and their employers have not set up the investment automatically. So the money is just held in a money market fund, which is basically cash and actually not working for them. So please make sure if you contribute to a 401k or a 43b that you are getting your money invested, whether you have to do it or your employer has something that allows you to automate it. Now, uh, the second thing is the thing that I have already mentioned, and that is to get the match. Guys, this is basically free money and we should never refuse free money, right? So make sure you're contributing to at least get the match. I know sometimes it can be a lot of money if your employer contributes a lot, but consider it as a chance and an opportunity for you to grow your wealth. So now let's get into how matches work. Usually it takes form of company X will match X percentage up to X percentage of your annual salary. For instance, um, let's say company X matches 100% up to 5% of your annual salary and you make $100,000 for simple numbers. That means that the maximum match you can get from your employer in a given year is 5% of your annual salary, $100,000. So that is $5,000. So that means that if you contribute 5,000, your company will contribute 5,000. If you contribute 4,000, they will contribute 4,000. If you contribute 6,000, your company will contribute 5,000. Basically, they contribute what you match to 100%, so one to one, until the limit of $5,000. You can also have another type of match uh, that is called a multi-tiered match where it says, for instance, company X will match 100% up to the first 3% of your annual salary and 50% up to, uh, of the next 2%. 
And actually, that is the most common match, according to um, Fidelity, the broker. So basically, how that would work is that if you, we take the same salary base as previously, $100,000, it means that your company would contribute 100% of the first 3%. 3% of $100,000 is $3,000. So they would contribute $3,000 if you put $3,000. And then on the next 2%, so the extra $2,000 after these, they will contribute 50%. So they will contribute $1,000, which means that the total match of your employer you can get for that year will be $4,000. So that means that in any given year, if you want to get the full match of your employer of 4,000, you need to contribute 5,000 because you get 100% on the first 3,000 and 50% on the next 2,000. So these were just examples of common type of matches that you can find. Now, I also wanted to mention that there is a limit to contributions in the 401k. The contribution limit for 2023 is 22.5k dollars, so 22,500. And this does not take into consideration your employer match. So that means that you can contribute to the limit, 22500 and then get your employer match on top of that. Contributing to the limit is called maxing out. So you can basically max out your 401k and get your employer match on top of that. So to potentially, you know, really... Um, maximize your retirement savings and I can only encourage to um, strive for this goal of maxing out uh, your 401k every year especially because time is of the essence, essence in investing. So now to finish up on the details for employer-sponsored plans we are going to talk about two things taxes and withdrawals. So most plans are tax advantage. It means that they offer tax deferred growth because you contribute to them with pre-tax dollars. So every month or bi-monthly, depending on uh, when you're paid, contributions are taken off the top of your paycheck before taxes. So that also allows to reduce your taxes you know, in the short run. Um, so that, that is interesting for that for sure. Um, and then they are automatically sent to your investment plan with your employer. And so that allows you to grow your wealth tax deferred, which means that instead of paying taxes now, you pay them later. And when do you pay those taxes? You pay them once you withdraw the money, generally after 59 and a half for retirement, and then they're taxed as ordinary income. So now let's talk about withdrawals. Um, basically, the rule is that you can withdraw money starting 59 and a half. And if you withdraw money under that age, um, you're going to incur a 10% penalty unless you fall into some of the IRS exceptions. And I invite you to check if you want to withdraw money from your 401k and make sure that you're not going to get a penalty because 10% can really, really harm your returns. Ideally, whatever you contribute to your 401k, you do not need before retirement. And now, 
that we're done with 401ks, let's get into type of accounts that are not sponsored by an employer. Basically, anyone can go to the marketplace today and open one. And these accounts are named individual retirement accounts. There are two types, the traditional IRA and the Roth. So I'll start with the traditional. With the traditional, you contribute with after-tax dollars. It's not taken off of your paycheck. And a portion of all of these contributions um, might be deductible from your taxes. This depends on two factors, how much money you make, or you and your spouse, if you're married, and if you are covered by your retirement plan at work. When you withdraw the money then in retirement after 59 and a half, both the contributions and earnings are taxed as ordinary income. This is tax advantage. And basically, if you deduct your contribution from your current taxes, you get a tax break now, but then it will be taxed as ordinary income. And so, for instance, let's say in 2023, you are covered by a retirement plan at work and make more than $83,000, none of these contributions are deductible from your taxes. So, as I said, it depends on how much money you make and if you're covered by a retirement plan at work. So, I will not go into every case possible um, because there are too many, but I will link the exact um, URLs from the IRS website so you can check for yourself which category you fit into and look what contributions you can make or if you can't make any contributions that would be deductible. Make sure you look into it carefully because let's say you want to contribute 6K in hope to get a tax break right now because you think your taxes are high, but then like contribute and realize it's not deductible because you've earned too much money or your spouse has earned too much money and you're filing jointly. So that would be such a bummer. So please make sure to check beforehand. Now there is a limit uh, that you can contribute to an IRA in 2023 and that limit is $6,500. So you cannot contribute more than this and the other um, limitations are that the money cannot be withdrawn before 59 and a half without a penalty, a 10% penalty, exactly like 401ks. So unless you fall into IRS limitations, you'll have to pay the 10% penalty. So now let's get into the Roth, uh, which presents some similarities with the um, the traditional IRA, however, the big advantage with the Roth is that you contribute with after-tax dollars and these contributions are not deductible. However, your contributions and earnings not only grow tax-free, but then you what whatever you withdraw when you retire is tax-free too. So this is very interesting because your money can grow to literally millions and then what you withdraw, let's say, to live in retirement, you won't incur income tax or ordinary income tax on it. So that makes the Roth IRA an absolutely fantastic product. It's one of my favorite um, retirement accounts out there. However, of course, there are some limits to our joy in this world. And so... Um, there is an income limit 
to be able to contribute to a Roth IRA. Um, and so in 2023, the income limit is 138. However, it doesn't mean you cannot contribute. It means it is the start of the phase out range. Let me explain. So basically, starting $138,000 up to $153,000, you will be within the phase out range, which means you can still contribute to a Roth IRA. However, not within the total, you know, 6K, uh, 6.5K maximum. So basically, under $138,000 in 2023, you're good and you can contribute up to the limit in um, your Roth IRA, the limit of uh, $6,500. Between 138K and 153K, you are in the phase out range and you're allowed to contribute a prorated amount of the 6,500 contribution limit. And above $153,000 of income, you cannot contribute to a Roth IRA. Again, these numbers are for 2023 and they change year on year. So please make sure you stay up to date with those numbers and to check, you know, for example, if you're just at the cost per the limit and you know you want to change jobs, maybe in that case, it's better to defer to an IRA for that period or to call your broker ahead of time in order to discuss because you want to make sure you're not going over the limit. One thing to note that is important with IRAs is that even if the limit for the traditional is 6.5K and the Roth is 6.5K, you cannot contribute up to 6.5K to the two. They're a, think of it as a joint thing. So the maximum overall throughout the two products that you're going to be able to contribute is 6.5K. There is a of course, an exception, which is a catch-up contribution, but that's only if you're 50 and older. So you can do, let's say, 3K in an IRA and 3K in a Roth IRA. For instance, a case where that would apply is that you fall just between the phase-out range. So you want to contribute whatever you can to the Roth IRA because you want to enjoy those tax-free distributions in retirement. However, due to your high earning potential, you cannot contribute to the full amount. So then you want to contribute the rest to an IRA. That is totally doable. So that is pretty much all there is to know about IRAs. Now, I would encourage you to get a Roth if you fall within the income limits, because like I said, this is a product I adore. I think it's great. And I think it's great to not be to be able not to pay taxes later down the road because we don't know what the future holds. So basically, personally, what I do is I get my employer's match um, on my 401k at work because this is free money. Then the second step is I max out my Roth IRA. And then once I have maxed it out, I go back to my 401k and I max it out. And that's already... Um, for 2023, 28.5K invested. So this is already a pretty good investment during the year. Of course, if you're making millions, this sounds just like a drop into the ocean, but 
If you're fairly young and have a corporate job, that might seem like a lot already, especially if you live in a high cost of living area like I do. So this is something I would advise you to do. Then if you can't, um, you're not interested in the IRAs and just want to focus on the 401k, that's great. To be honest, there's a power in setting it and forgetting it and just having it all done at your work and just taken off your paycheck so you're not thinking about it anymore. So for these people, my advice would really be to just try to max out the 401k and then eventually if you have more money after you've maxed out your 401k to invest, that's a perfect segue into the third type of accounts, um, which is a taxable brokerage account. And this is something you can also use as a tool once you have maxed out other accounts, but don't want to bother with IRAs um, because you think it's not worth it given your level of income. The third type of account is a taxable brokerage or investment account. It's basically an account that lets you buy and sell investments like stocks, bonds, exchange-traded funds, and index funds. And the benefits of these accounts is that there aren't any contribution limits or withdrawal restrictions. So basically, you get to put away as much money as you decide into the taxable brokerage account. And if you decide to withdraw it, you're not going to get a penalty fee of 10%, like it is the case with 401ks and individual retirement accounts. So this is great because you could literally put away millions, have your money work for you, and then decide to withdraw it and not incur a penalty. Now, it does not mean that you don't get to pay anything if you withdraw the money, because as its name indicates, a taxable brokerage account is subject to taxes. So you do not get a tax break, tax break for putting money into the account in the first place, like it is the case with a 401k. And you also do not get to withdraw your money tax-free in retirement, like it's the case with a Roth IRA. So the thing is that with the taxable brokerage account, any income earned may be in the forms of capital gains or dividends is taxed when the income is realized. And what that means is that you must pay taxes on the income the year it's received, not when you withdraw it from the account. And that is applicable for capital gains, dividends, and interest. And that's why it's always recommended to max out your tax advantage account first because basically any income you earn in a taxable brokerage account is taxed when the income is realized. If you sell stock at a gain, that's taxable. If you gain interest on your cash balance, that's taxable. And if you receive dividends, they're taxable. And what that does is that you will incur tax for this income. And there are two types of taxes. If you've held those securities for less than a year, this will fall under ordinary income. So whatever your income is being taxed at, that will be your tax rate. And if you've held the securities for more than a year, there are three tiers um, of long-term capital gains tax. 
the tiers are 0%, 15%, and 20%. So I will put a link to the Nerd Wallet website because they have a calculator for uh, capital gains and tax calculations when you have a taxable brokerage account. Um, it is uh, split in categories that depend on, again, since it's taxes, whether you're single, married, and also how much money you made with your investments. So that was the lowdown on taxable brokerage accounts. I feel like retirement accounts are always uh, better, a better option. So you should max these out as a first priority and then consider accounts that will be taxed. So you can really take advantage of the taxes and have your money work for you and optimize for tax benefit as well. So that's it for this first episode of the series about how to invest. You now have a pretty good overview of how to invest practically and what carriers or types of accounts you need and that are available in the market. Now it's your turn to take action and check out the resources that I outlined and to open your account if you don't already have one. This is step one of concretely investing. The part two of this episode will be about where to invest. So what type of investments exist out there and what are the most common, what should you do, etc. Thank you so much for listening and please don't forget to subscribe and leave me a review to let me know what you'd like to hear next and what financial questions are bugging you. I do a lot of research to find out what could help and what are the most common pressing financial questions, but there is no better way for me to deliver than for you to tell me directly. Thank you so much and see you next time. Thank you so much for listening. If you like the show, don't forget to rate and leave a review. It's the best way to help the podcast grow and get discovered by other women like you that are looking to take their financial game to the next level. Also, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss any new episode. I'll see you next time. And in the meantime, remember, take action to materialize the life you want. The information contained in this podcast is not intended as and shall not be understood or construed as financial, legal, and tax advice. I am not an attorney, accountant, or financial advisor, nor am I holding myself out to be. And the information contained here is not a substitute for financial advice from a professional who is aware of the facts and circumstances of your individual situation. 